Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network, located at blogtalkradio.com slash widemencantjump and at widemencantjump.com. Here's the best pod in sports, bringing you all the NBA highlights, analysis, and even some college basketball analysis as well. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New and CamBay.com. You can find this show at iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you find podcasts, as well at WideMenCan'tJump.com. Now let's go to the flagship program and this episode of Wide Men Can't Jump. Good morning, Vietnam. Wow. We are live. Live right now. It is White Men Can't Jump. It is episode 67. And it is I, Nate, the man leading the way right now. But joining me tonight, of course, is my co host. Show some respect for the man from up north. The one and only Kim Thompson. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Nate Bush uh, opening the holes in the line and the more spelt Tim Dumbrova running through them to glory. Absolutely. As always. As always. Yes, as always. <laughs> As always, but we got a great, great two hours lined up for you here on Wide Men Can't Jump. We've got a little bit of everything tonight as we've just been through the All-Star break. Uh, the NBA will be back here within uh, the next couple of days. So teams are getting ready to get back to work. Uh, how was your All-Star break, Tim? Have you had a good All-Star break? Well, yes and no, Nate. Was magnificent oh. not to have to. It was magnificent to not have to uh, listen to to too much in the basketball realm for a few days, but it was so goddamn cold up here that <laughs> we just, you know we we just didn't enjoy it much. But it's over. We were nice and balmy today, so uh, it's all good. Um, looking forward to getting to everything ramping back up. So. Yeah, uh, a lot of teams go back. Tomorrow, which is Thursday, you'll see games uh, on national TV tomorrow night between the Celtics and the Bucks uh, at 8 o'clock on TNT. And then the nightcap, the Rockets take on the Lakers at 1030. Uh, Some other games of note, Warriors-Kings will play each other, which is a bigger game than what people are thinking, in my opinion. The Nets and the Blazers will play Miami and Philadelphia and Phoenix will take on Cleveland in the Battle of the Lottery that um, uh, Rockets Lakers game is that like the uh, the battle of the uh, travel versus the battle of the charge? Is that what's happening there? Basically, that went over like a red lead balloon. Yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you knew, and yet somehow you knew exactly what I meant. I did. I did. Here, it's, since I didn't, you know, since I didn't pop. Here you go. So, so who gets the referees in that game, or do they bring in Tim Donahue for that one? 
Oh, Tim Donahue. You know, we've been talking about Tim Donahue a lot lately. Uh, you and I have because of the uh, the article that just came out the other day uh, about Tim Donahue, and it, this is a fantastic article. Um, oh, that's I a saw piece it. Work on, for. Oh God, it's it's so. There's a lot. There is a lot to dissect. This article was written by Scott Eden. Uh, he's a reporter for ESPN the magazine, and then was uh, edited by Ty Winger, and then Ross Marinson. I was he edited it, and it's basically yeah, it one how, of those. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just well, saying, it, it's all about Tim Donahue and how Tim Donahue was able to fix games and how he was able to get away with it. Well, it wasn't. It's not just that. It's the, uh, the scale and the uh, just when you think uh, you, you've got the true story, he says something else. And yeah. now, I, by the time I was finished reading the article, I was left wondering, what the hell happened? Yeah. Like, what's, what, what, what is the real story? Because it does kind of, look, I don't doubt everything that's in that, that article is true as much as it could be researched. But when it comes down to what Tim Donahue says or doesn't say, you know, it's kind of hard to take the guy at his word. Yeah. Um, you know, because of what went on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, talk about... I mean, it's like a Hollywood... They can make a Hollywood movie out of that thing. I'm surprised that they did just an article with as much as there was there. I'm surprised there hasn't been a 30 for 30 special done on this yet. And, and who knows, there may still be, but if well, you, you know haven't had a chance, to... get on Twitter and find the article about Tim Donahue and fixing games... You will not we'll be link, disappointed. We'll, we'll link that baby up. Um, what I wondered is, is if you, is, if yeah, it, I'll go share it right go, now. Yeah, if it didn't get any further, because perhaps it runs into some people that we that don't want to be um, uh, publicized. I guess would be the word I'm looking for. Uh, be it from Possible. the uh, from the underbelly of uh, organized crime to the. Uh, I'm not saying for sure, but perhaps there's some NBA uh, executives and or ex-players and or more referees uh, and or several other things I can think of that, uh, you know, maybe they don't want it to see the light of day. Um, It was very contradicting to read that the the, uh, NBA did their study and came up to one conclusion, which I will not say people should go read for themselves and make their own, form their own opinions. Uh, and then taking what everybody else said and some other people said and some other things that came out led me in a very much in a different direction. Um, but it was it was very interesting, for sure. And you could talk it, about it for a hour. Very, definitely, very good read, and we highly suggest it. It has been shared on the Wide Men Can't Jump Twitter page, so check that out, at Wide Jump. Um, you won't be disappointed. But speaking, Tim, of... Uh, Maybe a little disappointing. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of disappointing, let's go to our next uh, our next topic here. Segue, and we're gonna segue. <laughs> Is that Karen segue? <laughs> Seggy. <laughs> well, we're gonna go into no, the All Star. Happened this weekend. Um, I got a picture of Karen on a Segway bombing down the road now. God, <laughs> it's good. We love you, Karen. 
Oh, we Lord. love you, Karen, so much. But oh. <laughs> <laughs> just on oh, that little okay. segue, whoo, just looks at just yeah. looks at you and goes, segue, segue. Karen's dress of fluttering. Anyway, All Star Weekend this past weekend. Damn it, Tim. <laughs> we oh. <laughs> so professional, can't you tell? It was a yeah, fun weekend. All Star Weekend. Um, you know, it had its good and its bad. There were some things that were enjoyable. Some things uh, were kind of a, uh, a snooze, if you will, if I can say that. Let's go yeah, ahead and from start with Thursday the celebrity game. Sunday night. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll just say the celebrity game I didn't watch. I felt it was kind yeah. of uh, kind of whatever. Uh, well, that's, and, that's kind of become like a celebrity uh you know, dancing with the stars or whatever it is where the word celebrity has kind of been, um, well, it's not my idea of celebrities. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a I bit mean of a I'll let you all, you all be the judge of the lineups here for the, the celebrity game. Uh, it was just kind of, yeah. <laughs> here was, um, uh, here was the here was the teams. Ronnie Two K, director of influencer marketing for Two K Sports. Ray Allen, who I did recognize. AJ Buckley, right. Bad Bunny, Stephanie Dolson, who's a WNBA player. Uh, Mark Lassery. Now I give, give credit here. This is the Milwaukee Bucks owner, so credit is due there. All right, well, I'll give him. I'll give him a few. Yeah, okay. Kudos for that. Hassan Manaha, who's an actor comedian. Quavo, who's a rapper. Adam okay. Ray, who's the host about last night. Amanda Seals, actor and comedian, recording artist. James Saul Jr., who is a hometown hero. And Brad Williams, who was about last night host, coached by Sue Bird and Monte Morris, who was an NBA player assistant coach. The other team consisted of actor Mike Coulter, who plays Luke Cage. Uh, Chris Daughtry, who's a singer in Daughtry. Uh, Terrence Jenkins. Yeah, that's like three I know. Terrence Jenkins is a TV personality and actor, famous Los comedian, social media influencer. I don't know, so you're not that famous. Uh, social Dr. media Oz. influencer. <laughs> yeah. Criminal. What's the background? That's another word for criminal. Sometimes. Doctor Oz, who uh, Doctor Oz, by oh, the way, God. if you've ever worked in healthcare or any kind of uh, medical field research, Doctor Oz, uh, you can kiss my ass. Um, let's see who else. Yeah. Rhapsody, who's a rapper. Bo Reinhardt, musician from Need oh. to Breathe. JB Smooth, not smooth, smooth, actor, comedian, and curb your enthusiasm. Steve Smith, former NFL player, recognize him. Asia Williamson, or excuse me, Asia Wilson from the WNBA. Jay Williams, ESPN analyst, and Jason Wiseman, a hometown hero, coached by Don Staley. The South Carolina Gamecock women's head basketball coach and assistant coach by Lisa Boyer, who's assistant head Boring. coach. So let's just say there was about three celebrities in this celebrity game that that yeah. you could actually call a celebrity. Now I know what you're thinking, Nate, Tim. Yeah, they didn't offer you guys a spot on there. Well, you're right because we just I'm fucking I celebrity. Declined. I declined it. <laughs> Said no, no. I mean, I'm I went, far too busy. I don't went on there, but I'm not a celebrity. Well, I think, I mean, yeah, I think I've got the answer, though. 
I think, I think I'm as much as celebrity as some of these people. Says we wanted to talk. We were going to talk about how to change the game or make it more interesting or whatever. I think I think mm-hmm. I've got it. Now okay. picture this. Uh, and we can take this in the celebrity game, or we can even transfer it into the pros, into the actual NBA All Stars. Uh, mm-hmm. Team one, coached by Donald Trump, with <sighs> celebrity captain Tom Brady. Eh? Team two, uh, coached by uh, Bernie Sanders, with <laughs> uh, with celebrity. Uh, I mean, name here celebrity. Because there's lots of liberal celebrities, so that's that's an easy one. What about what about all? Nancy, what about we have the game? What about we have the game of Nancy all Pelosi? Nancy Pelosi goes up again. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, this shit writes itself just about me. You it really does. What have you had to determine the White House based on this? Would that not be interesting? <laughs> oh no, there's a lot of. Uh, does well? Does Trump bring in Russian ringers for that game? <laughs> well, the only issue you're going to run into is not everybody's going to have a say in it. So it would be like, you know, just it would basically be like living in America voting with the Electoral College. So yeah, Russian uh, Rangers and the Democratic team would be accused but, of bringing in undocumented NBA players. <laughs> but anyway, enough politics. Jesus. But the celebrity uh, no, game. It would be, my point being is that to me, that's as, as boring. As NBA yeah, All-Star Weekend has become. They have to come well, up move, with a hook somewhere. Well, the Rising Stars game, the Rising Stars game was interesting. Team USA did pick up the win, as Tom and I correctly predicted. Uh, Kyle Kuzma was named MVP after he scored 35 in that game. Uh, so congratulations to him. Okay, uh, ben, a, Simmons, a, he, ben Simmons, is, uh, he's a third-year player in the Rising Stars game, so let that sink in for you. All right, it's so right. go ahead, Tim. What about what about this idea? How about we take the All Stars? Um, okay. Each guy, we we get we get all kinds of uh, of uh, endorsements from uh, big business and you know uh, shoe companies and Xbox and PlayStation and McDonald's and Pepsi and Coke and all these guys. We put the, the money in a pile. Then each NBA player has a charity that he plays for. And we figure out some kind of a system uh, based on statistics, not only points, but defensive statistics as well. And the money gets divvied out to charity at the end of the game. Yeah, that, would be, that would be nice. Or, or something that would make them play. What about... Uh, uh, we won't give you any money because you guys are all NBA All Stars and you're all getting paid anyway, so you don't need any money. But what about we give? Uh, I don't know. We uh, we buy somebody in your family a house. We we give you ten cars to give to ten people. Something that would make these guys want to actually play. Because right now, I mean, let's be honest. That was just a hey. You want to go out to the park and shoot threes? <laughs> That's pretty much what the game was. It's pretty much what it's become. You know, but, you can go um, and see that anywhere. I don't know. They got to do something though, because it's not entertaining anymore. It's boring. Well, moving on to Saturday, we had the dunk contest, the skills competition, the um, 
three-point shootout, which the skills competition was interesting. It came down to Jason Tatum and Trey Young. Uh, TR and I both both incorrectly picked Aaron Fox. TR had a hedge with Nikola Jokic, so he was wrong twice. Uh, We both picked wrong. And uh, Jason Tatum and Trey Young. And Trey Young was ahead of Tatum most of the time during this. This was actually kind of exciting. Uh, the last thing you have to do is make a layup and then run down and make a three-point shot. Trey Young makes the layup. He takes off down the court. Then Tatum makes the layup. He takes off down the court. Uh, Tatum is behind by at least four feet, right? He throws up one from half court and sinks it to, to win the skills competition while Trey Young was actually ahead of him and looked like he was going to sink it beforehand. So, yeah, he had uh, – he had uh, he had LeVar Ball come and try his three-pointers. He did. And then we had um, – Nothing but then we had the Then we had the three-point contest, which was won by Joe Harris, of all people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, didn't see that one coming. Joe Harris wins uh, the three-point shootout with a final score of uh, 20 – I believe it was 28. Steph Curry had 26. Uh, and Joe Harris – the three-point champion. Did you? Nobody saw that one coming. I don't believe I had picked uh, Buddy Hill to win it. He came in third. So that one, or no, I think hey, uh, uh, I, I don't think Hill. the odds on I him would have been pretty good. I would think. Yeah, if you were, if you were really I really enjoyed the three-point shootout. I don't know about you. Well, the three-point thing there again. I mean, the skill, of course. You know, don't get me wrong here again. I'm bitching about stuff, but okay, obviously these guys are, you know, 10,000 times more skilled than I will ever was or ever be. Um, but again, maybe the format just needs some tweaking. Uh, maybe where they shoot from just needs some, some tweaking or, or, you know, random, uh, random balls work more than one or two, you know, or you know, something, something bizarre or the guy, or the, maybe the shooter can, Okay, I'm. You got like you can make one ball count for ten. Okay, I'm I'm down and I'm losing. Okay, my last shot's gonna count for ten. Or some, something to really <laughs> amp it up. I, I I don't know, but just something to to give it a little bit more uh, of a why you'd want to keep watching, I guess. Well, they do do the money ball rack now, and they do the, uh, the of course the money ball is nothing new, but. The entire rack of money balls, I think, is interesting. Um, then the final thing was the slam dunk contest. Uh, there was maybe two dunks that was really worth anything. Uh, the dunk that uh, Hamadou Diallo did over um, over Shaq, I thought, was fantastic. I thought that was the best. That was one of the best dunks I've seen since the Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon dunk contest he got up he uh, got over Shaq and he put his arm through the rim like the old Vince Carter dunk and I thought it was a fantastic, fantastic I have to be honest dunk. yeah that was a pretty cool dunk but there, there was a brief moment when I expected the camera to go to Shaq and that he would have a set of knackers on his chin because that guy didn't make it <laughs> he made it though he cleared him he did but, but, I thought that- but there was a brief moment where I thought he wasn't <laughs> This is gonna end bad. <laughs> it was uh, it was one of those things where you're kind of looking at it like, oh, this could be good, this could be bad, but because uh, uh, Shaq ain't going, Shaq's not going anywhere if you run into him. 
I mean, like running yeah. into a bridge support. I mean, yeah. Again, I, you know, I felt it's not that the Dunking is boring per se. It's just, it's just so hard to come up with anything that hasn't been done it already. Is. It is. It's That's very hard to do. And they said, uh, and I was listening to the the post, like the post coverage on the NBA on TNT after the game, and they were kind of talking like, okay, next year we should do the dunk contest second, do the three-point contest last. And then Ernie Johnson said something really cool, I thought. He said, and then the very last thing should be the drafting of the teams for the Sunday game, for the All-Star game, where they do the actual draft live. And that would be somewhat interesting. Uh, but yeah, it, it okay. begs, it okay begs the question. That. Yeah, I would be okay with that. But it, it just all comes back to it, and I'll be honest. I didn't watch the All Star Game. It's hard for me to care about it, and that's the truth. It's hard for me to care about a game where there's no defense. No one seems to really care a lot about it, and players well, are jacking up really, trees, throwing up hoops. There's yeah, not really any reason to, to care either, though. So. Yeah, I, mean, I agree, but that begs the question. That begs the question, should the All-Star game mean something? Should it count towards something? I put up a poll both on Twitter and on the White Men Can't Jump page um, asking that very question. And the result, I was kind of surprised by the results I got. The results stated that on the Wide Men Can't Jump page, overwhelmingly the All-Star game should count for something, whether it be the All-Star, you know, home court advantage, whether it be the All-Star, you know, just something. Some sort of game that shouldn't be, that just shouldn't be played just to be played. It should mean something. And that seemed to be the consensus on the Facebook group. However, on Twitter, it was an overwhelming majority of no it shouldn't mean anything. It should just be what it is. Eighty uh, percent to twenty percent on Twitter on that one. So I thought. Mixed okay. Back. So how, how about how about this? If you're on the Eastern Conference All Stars and they win the game, you don't have to make the road trip to Phoenix. And if you're in the Western <laughs> Conference and your team wins, I think they would rather not go to. You don't, you don't have to make the trip to Cleveland. I think they'd I think they'd rather not go to Portland, honestly, with that trip up well, there. I just that's picked, a, that's a I just picked trip. Phoenix because they were they were they're the worst team. So I, I went around yeah. there. But um I don't know. How about some kind of international flavor in the all star game? I mean they kinda of go world and and uh, for the young rising star thing there, but what about the NBA All Stars against I don't know, Team Europe or, or something along those lines. Uh, not that that might be any more entertaining, but I don't know. They, they just they've got to do something. I got to be honest. There's absolutely no reason to watch it unless you're extremely hardcore or you're a young kid who hasn't seen very many. You know, yeah, at this point being, it's hard. You know, being in my fifties and seeing like thirty of the damn things that I can remember at least. It doesn't. You know, there's just not much to it anymore. Yeah. It's hard for me to get into as well. So that was kind of our that's kind of our wrap up there on the All Star well, Game. Been, it's, yeah, it's been invented really to be a holiday 
for most of the people in the league, I suppose, and a showcase yeah. of the supposed stars. And I guess they get that publicity-wise. I don't know how well it did in TV ratings, fairly well from what I know. So I guess they probably got out of it what they wanted to get out of it. So. I, yeah, I assume you're right. So I guess when it's all looked at and said and done, that is it is what it is, and that's exactly what the NBA wanted, so that's what they got. Um, I doubt we see – and there's there's some call to change it to make it more interesting, but some things are just hit or miss, and that's just one that's going to be hit or miss. All right, let's shift gears a little bit here. We're going to talk now about one Markel Fultz. Uh, a lot to talk about when it comes to Fultz here, but before I talk, what we're going to do is I'm going to play a clip here, Tim. I want you to listen to some of these comparisons, Okay. This was the night Markel Fultz was drafted. Take a listen to the comparisons that are that are played here. Okay, take a listen. With the first pick in the 2017 NBA Draft, the Philadelphia 76ers select Markel Fultz from the University of Washington. The moment for Markel Fultz, who was on the junior varsity at DeMatha Catholic until his junior season in high school. An avid BMX biker, and now he he loves to throw caution to the wind, and now he's going to have to be daring enough to try to whip the 76ers into a winning culture. What are the Sixers getting from Fultz, Jay? Well, they're getting a guy who's got an NBA frame already. He's got great length, and he's a three-level scorer. He can score from deep. He can score in the middle game, and he can score at the rim. Great body balance. By far in this draft, the best pick-and-roll ball handler in the, in the draft. He's essentially a James Harden clone on the offensive end. Uh, he's got a quick high release on his shot. I think one of the things that's interesting about him, though, he, he, he has a couple of flaws. One, he floats on defense. He is not a great defensive player yet, although he should be really good. He has some LeBron-type blocks where he chases guys down from behind. But to have a guy like this where offensively he's really got no holes in his game, he's a multi-dimensional scorer, that once he comes off a pick-and-roll, he's got great pace with it. He can change uh, speed, change direction, an excellent finisher around the basket. And then we talked about his physical profile. He's 6'4". He's got a 6'10 wingspan. Tip it back, America. (laughs) But he's long, he's strong, and the kid knows how to play. He's an excellent passer, almost six assists per game. He'll stick his nose in there and rebound. 23 points per game at Washington since 2000. That's the third best for a freshman behind Michael Beasley and Kevin Durant. That's a pretty good score. I have a comp for him, Jay. A gentleman named Bradley Beal. His demeanor, his ability to score off the dribble, not necessarily going to be the primary ball handler in Philadelphia like Bill isn't asked to be in Washington. However, can get points and flurries at multiple levels, as you mentioned. I think he has what it takes to be a big-time scorer in the NBA. James Harden <laughs> for Mark Kill Fultz on the night he oh, was drafted. God. Oh, eat those words, um, Jay Billis. What do I say? Airball, bricks, three strikes and you're out. Uh, holy Ooh. cow. You know, I told we've talked about this a million times on this show. And we still haven't figured out 
how he got the hype in the first place. He was a decent college basketball player. Decent. How he ever got from that decent spot to James Harden. <laughs> wow. Bradley Bill, James Harden comparisons. I mean, LeBron like LeBron like blocking skills. Um, the only thing yeah. he couldn't do is play defense, apparently. Yeah. But so there's half. One there's thing, half the game that he couldn't do. So you heard that. So take that with a grain of salt. And now. We're going to go to my conversation with Philip Rossman Reich, our guy from Orlando Magic Daily, who gave us a breakdown of what's going on in Orlando. And we finished the conversation talking about Fultz. So we're going to talk a lot about Markel Fultz tonight. But I do want, I did want everyone to hear that because I heard that earlier today when I was doing some research. And I said, oh, my God, they have to hear this, the comparisons that were made. So Fultz is now a guy who's suffering from uh, thoracic – it was – Thoratic, um, some kind of thoracic syndrome in his shoulders. It's a shoulder injury. Yeah. That's all I really know. So let's go to my conversation with Philip Rossman, right? He breaks down the magic. We talk a little magic. Then we get into the Fultz deal, the trade, and what he thought about it. So, Tim, you ready to do that? Let her go, man. All right. Let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Philip Rossman, right? Joining us right now on the show is site expert and editor at Orlando Magic Daily and the host of the Locked on Magic podcast and former editor of Orlando Sports Daily, Philip Rossman Reich, one of our favorite guests we have on the show. Phil, thanks for jumping back on yet again. No problem. Happy to be here. Ready to ready to get the, the quote-unquote second half of the season going. Yeah, most of us are, and we're looking forward to it. And it's, All-Star break's always good for teams, uh, especially when you uh, – Need to get just a little bit of a break and maybe get some players healthy. I know um, a lot of teams are are hurting right now. What is the Magic looking at in terms of injuries? Do they have any injuries in the season right now that they need to focus on, or Um, are they coming back full strength about the same as they were? They they appear like they're coming back full strength. The the, the big injury, obviously, is Mo Bamba. Um, He had a – he had a a, a, – I think – I'm forgetting exactly what it was, but he he had an issue – uh, with his leg um, that uh, they caught early, uh, so he's not going to need surgery, and so they, they they're holding him out. Um, the, the original prognosis is I think four to six weeks, which would bring him back just before the uh, end of the regular season. Uh, it, at this, I mean, he he's saying he's hopeful that he can come back and play before the end of the season, but considering where the Magic are in the playoff race, and 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 if you look at those stats, Bamba has had a very up and down season. Uh, his impact on the team as far as winning. It's certainly a fair question to ask him. He's a rookie. You want to play him. But um, at, at a certain point, it, this season's become about winning. And, and, and so I, I'm very skeptical that Bamba will be back before the end of the season. Um, even if he's healthy, the Magic are pretty notorious for uh, holding guys out uh, for until they're 100% ready, especially their young guys. And then, of course, uh, the recent acquisition, Markel Fultz, is still out with uh, the thoracic outlet syndrome. Uh, no timetable for his return. Could he be back before the end of the season? Sure, but kind of like the same situation that Bamba's in. Why bring back a young player in a in a very pressure-packed situation and disrupt a, a lineup that, that's clearly working? So uh, I'm not optimistic that either player's going to be back this season. Maybe they will. Who knows? 
Um, but uh, the Magic otherwise are pretty healthy and, and have an intact rotation. And they've been on quite the tear right now. Five in a row, the Magic have won heading into the All-Star break. Got them right back in that playoff picture. It looked like they were just going to kind of fade out there, and it's going to be the same old, same old. But now the Orlando Magic, five straight wins. They're 27-32, and 32, only a half game back of eighth place, one game back of seventh place. What spurred this Magic team to really become a potential playoff team? Yeah, it, it, it really did happen kind of suddenly. They, they, they came back from uh, a little bit of a road trip, and, and they picked up two big wins um, at home, and, and really things seemed to begin clicking from there. Uh, you know, I would say the biggest difference from the, from the Magic, uh, the last over really eight games, they've won now seven of their last eight games, really the big difference has been uh, their offense. They're starting to hit shots. They're starting to move the ball a lot more effectively. I mean, this is a team that – you know, for the whole season, ranks 22nd, 21st in the league in offensive rating. So they're not – no one's saying they're a good offensive team. But slowly but surely, they've been getting better defensively. They're now, I think, eighth in the league in defensive rating. So they're one of the – very quietly, they're one of the best defensive teams in the league. And all of a sudden, you can just kind of feel this confidence about them. They're, they're really playing at an extremely high level. They're getting contributions up and down the roster. Nikola Vucevic, obviously an all-star. But a big difference has been Jonathan Isaac over the last seven games – has started to look like the sixth overall pick that the Magic drafted. I mean, he's not doing anything spectacular, uh, but he's making shots now. He's shooting confidently. He's making teams pay for leaving him open. Uh, and defensively, he's just taken his game to a whole nother level that the Magic knew he could get to. Uh, maybe not this quickly, but certainly eventually. And the Magic are, are reaping the benefits of it as, as everyone seems to be flowing off that confidence. Yeah, and you brought up what I was going to bring up. You got an article up on OrlandoMagicDaily.com that I retweeted on the Wide Men Can't Jump Twitter. Um, the Magic patience, patience with Jonathan Isaac is paying off. Uh, Jonathan Isaac was a guy who I wanted for my Wolves when he came out in the draft. The Magic, the Magic grabbed him before the Wolves had a chance. I really like this kid. I really like what he does and what he brings to the floor. I thought he had the most potential from that draft what's clicked? What's going on with him that's making him fit into this system now and kind of become the player that they wanted him to be when it comes to the draft? I know you alluded to it just a minute ago, but maybe go into a little more detail about him. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it's just, just comfort and confidence. I mean, I think it's it's easy to forget because there, there are a lot of players who come into the league and immediately make a difference. I mean, Donovan Mitchell, you know, rookie year, you know, played at an all-star level. Jason Tatum, rookie year, played at an all-star level. Those are just guys in his class, in his draft class. And so I think it's easy sometimes to look at the very best, best guys and the very best situations, and they're both in great situations, um, who come in, make an immediate impact, and think, you know, that's what all top-level rookies should do. And, and the fact of the matter is, you know, Jonathan Isaac is a 19-, 20-year-old kid who didn't really have an NBA body yet, and I would argue he still doesn't quite have an NBA body, uh, that, that needed to kind of mature and grow into the game. And, and you look at Jonathan Isaac last year, he missed so much, so many games. He only played 27 games last year. He's actually not even played a full NBA regular season. He's still at like 77, 78 games total played in his career. Uh, and so it, it takes time for some of these guys to just feel comfortable in the league. And, and Isaac, I think, even mentioned this, that earlier in the year he sprained his ankle again. He rolled his ankle, which which happens in the NBA. And that was exactly how he got hurt last year. And, and it felt, and he, I think he said that, that he, he had hit a low moment there because he wasn't sure, you know, if, if he could make it. I mean, because it, it almost happened again to him where he was going to miss significant time. He missed only, six, you know, five or six games in that sense. 
and it just took him a, took him a little bit to, to regain the confidence in himself and, and have the confidence of his teammates. And so all of a sudden, I mean, and I think it does happen suddenly with young players where it just clicks, where just they just realize, I can play at this level. I can compete and, and be really good at this level. And it just clicked for him. He got into a good rhythm with his jumper. I mean, teams are still routinely leaving him open beyond the arc. He's still a sub-30% three-point shooter. But he's starting to hit that three more consistently. He's starting to shoot it more confidently. He's finding ways to impact the game offensively. And then defensively, that confidence is just overflowing. I mean, he is – it was this way last year, and it's taken a while to get back to it this year. He is a supremely talented and instinctual defensive player, more than, than any rookie that I've, I've seen, at least on the wing. And, and it's really coming together for him now. He's making incredible plays defensively and really making a difference for the team. And, and I think everyone is really feeding off that energy because now you have the guy who's essentially your number five option on offense making a huge difference every single night. And speaking of offense, let's talk about Terrence Ross because it seems like this guy is either the best player on the team one night or, or stat-wise he's not even close. The last three games he's putting up big numbers except for one game where he only had three points. Um, Terrence Ross absolutely can tear it up when he wants to. How's he, how's he helping this Magic team this year in his role on the bench? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think what you just described is is the Ter- is the Terrence Ross manifesto. I mean, he, that's that's just kind of been the story of his career, I and mean, that's why I think he's been really good in this sixth man role. I mean, the bottom line is the Magic do not have a lot of offense off that off that bench. You you look at the bench players the Magic have. It's Terrence Ross, Ken Birch, Isaiah Briscoe. Um, you know, the, the the main guy the main guys off Orlando's bench. You're kind of sitting there like. Who are those guys? And, and they've all been playing well, and I think that's another big reason why the Magic have turned things around is Briscoe has provided them a lot of stability as the backup point guard, and, and Ken Burke stepping in for Mo Bamba has been fantastic defensively uh, as well. Um, but, but really what Terrence Ross does is he's, he's really the only guy on the roster who can take a bad shot and make it consistently, um, you know, for, for lack of a better, better way to phrase it. I mean, you need guys – that you can just get the ball to, and they will find a way to make a shot. And, and, and I think, you know, you mentioned that, that he has bad shooting nights, and, and that's true, and, and, and he's been up and down, and, and he has bad shooting nights. The Magic typically are not going to win because they just do not have a lot of offense off their bench. But I would argue this as well. The threat of Terrence Ross is as important as Terrence Ross actually going off for 25, 30 points, 30 points when he does um, because defenses have to account for him. When he comes around the screen, defenses shift and shape to him because they know he is a danger to shoot it quickly. And, and even when he's on the perimeter, defenses can't leave him, and that opens up space for everyone else to attack. And, and, and that's something the Magic desperately need uh, at, at all levels of the team, and they need to find more guys like Terrence Ross who can make that outside shot. But Ross has been really, really special. Um, he's just a consummate team player. Um, and, again, he's, he's kind of a bad shot taker, bad shot maker. He doesn't take a lot of bad shots, granted, but he's able to, and, and I think that's been a huge boost in Magic's offense overall. Yeah, and, I, and I'll agree with you. You have to account for him, whether he's hot or he's not. you still got to pay attention to him, and you still have to account for what he's doing on the court at all times. Let's shift gear to the guy that the Orlando Magic re-signed, the big contract, the max player, Aaron Gordon. Uh, Gordon, I was a, I'm, I've been a critic of Aaron Gordon. I, I won't lie about it. I've been a critic for a long time of Aaron Gordon and thought he should have done more for this Magic team. But the Magic felt that they had the guy they wanted. He's averaging this season. He's up for his career stats. He's up from 12 and 6. Now he's averaging almost 16 and 7 this season, along with actually a career high, uh, I believe, three and a half assists 
per game. What's clicking for Aaron Gordon? Is this is this what they need? Do they need more from Aaron Gordon? Uh, obviously having a better year now that he's healthy. So what's your thoughts on Aaron Gordon this season? Yeah, you know, I, I think I think the Magic would probably still say they want more and expect to get more from Aaron Gordon. What's, what's interesting about the contract, remember, is it's front-loaded. So he's getting paid the most of his deal this year. And, and I think a lot of fans especially expected Aaron Gordon to take sort of a star leap and, and, and expand his scoring repertoire. And, and, and that hasn't quite happened. But, it, but instead, I would argue this. Aaron Gordon has been a lot better for the team than maybe for himself. And, and I think the rest of his game will continue to grow. Remember, he's only 23 years old. It's, it's not like he's a finished product, even though he's getting paid like he's a, he's a near-max guy. But, you know, the, the goal for Aaron Gordon at the beginning of the season, I, I remember this, this vividly at Media Day, where we're standing around waiting to interview Aaron Gordon. Steve Clifford's getting photos taken of him uh, in the station next to where, where the media is waiting. And Steve Clifford shouts, all defensive team, all defensive team. That's, that's the goal. And, and Gordon commenting on that said, you know, coach wants me to be more of a two-way player. He wants me uh, to, to, to get back to sort of the defensive roots. And I remember back when he was introduced to the media on, uh, after the draft, Aaron Gordon said, my goal is to be an all-defensive team player, defensive player of the year. And so I think where Gordon's really shown the most growth this year is he's gotten back to playing not maybe not elite level defense. I wouldn't put him on the all defensive team or anything, but very very good defense. He he is the guy the Magic put on the best player every single night. And he's taken on more of that responsibility. Uh, on top of all that, I think last year he had too much of a scoring load. He was you know scoring 17 points per game and and, and looked like he was going to take a leap, but he was taking a lot of bad isolation shots. This year, this decision making is a lot better. He's not forcing up as much offense. He still does that on occasion. Uh, but he's passing the ball more. He's looking to move the ball a lot more. Um, he's shooting the ball a little bit better. Like that could obviously still run to improve, but he's, he's facilitating a lot more. And so I think overall, while his, his numbers are down from last year, it's very clear that he's making a much bigger impact on the floor. And so is he everything the Magic hoped he would be? You know, I'm sure they, would, they hope that he'd take that star leap, but I think that star leap is still in there if, if, he, can, if he continues to work, which, which I know he will. And this year, for what the Magic need, he's been absolutely perfect. Nikola Vucevic, let's talk about him. Uh, absolutely one of my favorite players in the league. He doesn't get enough respect, even though he was an all-star this year. Um, I think this guy still does during, during, uh, during the all-star game. Yeah. <laughs> Vucevic was an all-star this year, wasn't he? He was, yes, yes. But when okay, he made I, his first I, I basket so. in the all-star game, they, they called Jokic instead of Vucevic. Oh, goodness. What else is new? I'll be honest. I don't watch the All-Star game. I never watch the All-Star game, so I'm a little out of the loop on that. Um, but I thought Vucevic was an All-Star this year, and if he wasn't, he should have been. Averaging 20.5 per game along with 12.1 rebounds. He's having a heck of a year. And I thought that this was a Magic team, and I said it, and I'll admit to being wrong. I said this is a Magic team that needs to just trade him, get some value for him, and start over but apparently he's committed to playing for this Magic team, and he's doing a great job as really their best player and a leader for this team. What's Vucevic doing in Orlando, and what do you think his future holds with this Magic team? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think everyone was in the same boat, that, that this was probably the last hurrah for, for Nikola Vucevic in a Magic uniform. And if the Magic were out of the playoff race by the trade deadline, which honestly at this trade deadline they were on the border. I mean, it wasn't clear – which direction that thing was going to go two weeks ago. Um, if you, if they were out of the, out of the playoff picture that, that they move on from him and, and, and get Mo Bamba ready to go. But 
Um, you know, it's been painfully apparent both because of how well Vucevic has played and, and, and where Bamba's at, that, that Bamba's still a few years away. So it's going to be real interesting to see what the Magic do with Vucevic this summer because, uh, frankly, a, a lot of the Magic's offense has run through Vucevic. I mean, you, you take Nikola Vucevic out of any Orlando Magic lineup, and they are immediately worse, on, on, honestly, on both ends of the floor. Uh, Steve Clifford has done a, a masterful job, better than any coach Vucevic has had, and he's had a lot of them in Orlando. Um, better than any coach that that Vucevic has had of just kind of trusting him, number one, uh, and and unlocking his passing ability and and every aspect of his game. They've gotten him in the post more. They've worked him in pick and pops. They've got him the ball in the high post to to pass the ball and and facilitate a little bit. Uh, He's set fantastic screens. His his defense has actually been probably the bedrock of the magic. I mean, this – If you would have told me Nikola Vucevic could anchor a top-10 defense in the NBA, I'm a Vucevic fan. I love the guy to death, but I would have said you're crazy. I I just think that that there's a ceiling on what he can give you defensively. But, you know, he's not blocking shots at the rim or anything, but he is so good at at keeping you away from the lane and and kind of where you want to go, which, you know, especially when he gets his feet set. Uh, defensively, uh, and he's not backpedaling. So uh, I think that Vucevic has turned into a career year. Yeah, it's a contract year. That probably had something to do with it, but a lot of it I think had to do with the faith the coaching staff put in him and the system that they created around him. And honestly, yes, Mobamba is the guy waiting in the wings, but he's not ready yet. And after making the all-star team, after being in this playoff hunt, it wouldn't surprise me if the Magic go go hard to do whatever it takes to keep Vucevic in town. I know that he he loves it here in Orlando. Um, it's been, you know, a, a, a crazy seven-year run, uh, and, and he knows that he's got to got to get his money this summer because this is probably his last big contract to get. Uh, but I, I would imagine Orlando's going to do what they can to, to bring him back in next year. Yeah, and he's a free agent next year that nobody's talking about, and he could really be a game-changer in that free agent market, especially with, you know, everybody's talking about Durant, and they're talking about Kawhi, and they're talking about all these players. You can't tell me Nikola Vucevic, if he goes to a team, he couldn't turn them into a contender right away, depending on you know, who they get. And Orlando would be in just smart to re-sign him, I think. Yeah, it's, it's going to come down It's going to come down to the price and, and the years, I think. I mean, I think Orlando recognizes that, yes, there is a ceiling on Vucevic, and, and he shouldn't be the number one option on the team. I mean, I think that's, that's the key for, for any team looking to sign him. If you're bringing him in to build a team around him, you know, you're probably you're, you're probably capping yourself out at about where the Magic are now, which is you know, an a, fighting for the eighth seed in the East. Um, you need other pieces around around him to kind of take the lead and and, and you know, be able to to, to relieve Vucevic a little bit. Because frankly, you know, this this Magic season has always been one Nikola Vucevic injury away from being really really bad. I mean, without Vucevic, the Magic are a tanking team. There's there, there's no deny, there's no denying that I think at this point. Um, but among those the, the second rung free agents, you know, after the big names. Vucevic is a guy that I think a lot of teams that, that have money or lose out on the big guys are going are gonna to chase. Yeah, definitely. Let's shift gears yet again. The trade deadline, the Magic made a move to trade Jonathan Simmons, a first-round pick and a second-round pick for former number one overall Markel Fultz. Now, I want to hear your take on this because I'm one of the guys who think they overpaid for Fultz. Um I don't. I have very little faith in Fultz, as do most of the people on this show and program. Uh, but I want to get your take. What do you think about the trade that brought Markel Fultz to Orlando? Yeah, I mean, it, it's. I think it's. I think it's a good deal for Orlando. I mean, I think they're in the kind of position where they should be taking a risk on a player of Fultz's talent. 
I mean, to, to be frank, I mean, I don't know if he'll ever be number one overall pick Markel Fultz. Uh, I'm not sure that he will ever be that player. And, and I remember watching him at Washington and evaluating him and, and thinking, you know, this guy is just so smooth offensively. I mean, they're, they're, he's just a shot maker. Uh, and, and it's exactly what the Magic need. Uh, I don't know if he'll ever reach those heights again. But if he can be solid rotation, solid starter of Markel Fultz, then this, this deal is absolutely worth the risk. And, and, and for a Magic team that, that doesn't have a point guard, that's consistently lost out on the draft. They, 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 you know, never, they really won the lottery once during this, this now seven-year rebuild, uh, and that was to draft Victor Oladipo with the second overall pick. And, and that was obviously not a very good draft, and they actually had the top lottery odds in that draft. So they actually fell a spot when they won the lottery that one year. So they, they needed, you know, if the Magic were going to make a deal, they needed to make something big happen or, or take a risk on something big. And at the end of the day, you know, it sounds like they gave up a lot. Um, you know, a first-round a first pick, a second-round pick, and Jonathan Simmons. But at the end of the day, Simmons was really struggling this year. The Magic really liked Wessa Wundu. He's played fantastic. He's beaten him out in the rotation. They weren't using Simmons anyway, and I suspect they were going to let Simmons go at the end of the season anyway with, with his partial guaranteed contract. The first-round pick they gave up is top 20 protected from the Oklahoma City Thunder. It doesn't look like the Oklahoma City Thunder will be picking outside the top 20 anytime soon. So that's, that's going to end up being two second-round picks. So, you know, the Magic certainly, I think, could value second-round picks and, and late first-round picks a little bit more under this, under this current management regime. But, it, you know, it, to, to take a chance at a guy who has no more overall talent, probably worth, worth the risk at the end of the day. And then the second-round pick is going to probably be Cleveland second-round pick, so the 30, 31st, 32nd overall pick. You know, again, how, it depends on how much you value late second-round picks. So at the end of the day, I really feel like Orlando – didn't really give up much that was of value to them now or in the future to take a chance on a guy with immense talent who has a serious injury and needs to work through that injury. So if they, they give him the time and help him recover from the injury, see what he can do, see if he can still reach any bit of that potential and potentially be part of the building blocks of this team. I mean, at the end of the day, yes, the Magic are in the playoff hunt, but this is still a largely rebuilding team. I mean, Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, are, are really the core of the team. They're all under 25 years old. So Fultz fits their timeline. He's a guy that can grow with the team and continue to help make them better, just as all their other guys are getting really good. So quietly, if Fultz you know, kind of can get himself straight and develop, along with Isaac, along with Bamba, along with Gordon, now the Magic have kind of one of the nice young cores in the league that no one's really talking about, and they're competing for a playoff spot this year. So I, I think it was a deal that was absolutely worth the risk. If Fultz doesn't work out, it only costs you two years two years that, you know, you're not really going to probably do a whole lot with anyway, and you can find some answers elsewhere at point guard while you're waiting on Fultz anyway. So I, I don't think it was a huge cost for them, and I think it's well worth the risk. So what's your opinions on Fultz with everything we know from Philly, all the the rumors, all the, you know, is it mental? Is he is he suffering from a physical ailment? Is he Is he really going to ever play? I mean, what do you think? from what you're hearing and what you're seeing from the magic, which they, they've been very quiet about it. Um, yeah. But this is a show, this is a show that's followed close faults very close considering um, this show was almost born because of the draft pick of Markel faults to the 76ers. Uh, a lot of people don't know that, but the, the faults saga continues with us. So we're very interested in what he's doing what do you think is going to happen with him? If you had to, if you had to predict the future right now, do you think he would just kind of expire 
um, because they're going to pay him a lot of money, if, if, depending yeah. on how much is left on his contract. He's going to get at least eight to nine million dollars. He's got two two years. He's got two years. I think it's roughly twenty million dollars as the first as a, on the first overall pick contract. Plus, then he becomes a yeah. restricted free agent. Um, I, I, you know, I think that you know, judging by what the Magic said during the press conference, I think it, it was very clear to me that a big part of the schism between Fultz and, and the Sixers. What really didn't have a lot to do with with the health. I mean, I think I think that Fultz really does have an injury, and I think that injury hurt him. And and I think what what really hurt from from what I can gather was the Sixers had one diagnosis, and, and Fultz's people had another. And the Sixers were pushing him and pushing him to play, which is their prerogative and certainly within their interest. And and Fultz didn't really feel right, and, and I think that. He listened to his body, and I think, especially in the, in the pressure dome that is the Philadelphia 76ers, you know, being kind of the result of the process. There's a lot of pressure put on him. You know, yeah, I think I think it did hurt his confidence. You know, I think I think it's a combination of, of all things. I mean, I think I think Fultz really was dealing with a serious injury that was affecting him physically. The Sixers were not, you know, either misdiagnosed it or you know, it, I think Fultz said, you know, thoracic outlet syndrome is incredibly hard to diagnose, and it took him a while to really figure out what the problem was. Um, and so, you know, I, you know, I think it happened that the Sixers misdiagnosed it or, or didn't, didn't take his concern seriously or, or thought it was something else and, and kept playing him and kept put, putting him out there. And I think that hurt his confidence. I, I honestly do. And so, you know, I don't think we'll really know what Fultz can do until he gets back on the court. I, I will say this, the, the impression that I got from the Magic when they were talking about Fultz with him in the room last week, uh, the impression that I got from the Magic was, they are willing to wait as long as Fultz needs, as long, until Fultz is comfortable to hit the floor. They're not going to rush him back. They're not going to say, no, we think it's this. They're going to review the medicals. They're going to offer their suggestions, I'm sure. They're going to try and help out where they can. But the impression that I get is the Magic are willing to tell Fultz and his people, get right, get better. We're, we're going to be here. We want, to see, we want to see you play. We want to see you succeed. And when you're ready, we'll, we'll, we'll get you out on the court or we'll, we'll get you back into game shape because I think that's the other part of this equation is he's got to get himself back into game speed and game shape, which, again, he's essentially a rookie, so it's going to be a long process on that too. Um, when you're ready, we'll get, you, we'll, we'll get you back out there. We'll be the venue for you to get back out there. So I think a big thing that the Magic have made, made clear or at least have kind of floated out there publicly if you read between the lines is we're going at your pace. You're going to control your recovery. You know, whether no matter what happened in Philadelphia, it doesn't matter. You come back when you're ready to come back. When you, when you feel like you're healthy, when you feel like you're, you're ready, we'll evaluate you. We'll tell you if we think you're ready or help you get to where you want to go and work with you. And it, and it really felt like from everything I've read about the situation in Philadelphia, it really felt like Philadelphia was kind of working against him in some ways or, or not, not fully believing what he says. And, and, you know, frankly, the Magic have had those issues with their players too with, the, with previous regimes. So I, th- I don't think that's necessarily a specific Philadelphia false issue. I think that's an issue around the league where the player's interest is in preserving himself and the team's interest is getting him out there to help them win games. And so there, there is some, some conflict of interest there. And so I think, I think it's been really important that the Magic have sent every signal that they're going to let Fultz take care of himself first and then bring him into the fold. What about the shot? You know, Philadelphia was talking about having to help Fultz uh, relearn how to shoot, learn uh, a different shot even. They didn't like his jump shot. It was broken. And this has just been an ongoing mess. 
are the Magic, yeah. have they said and, and if I they're committed to actually teaching him how to shoot again, or are they just going to let him do that on his own? They they haven't talked specifically about getting him back into into any basketball activities. Um, you know, they've only said we're, we're we're focused on getting getting him healthy and helping him how we can. Um, you know, I, I know Fultz has described what thoracic outlet syndrome feels like and, and said it's really tough to describe unless you have it. But he said he said it's difficult to lift his arm above his to lift his arms above the shoulders, which is pretty important for shooting. Um, he said, it, you know, he feels numbness in his fingers sometimes when, when it's flaring up. And it's not an all-the-time thing. It flares up and, and it recedes. Um, and so, you know, I think all those things affect his shot. Will Fultz have to sort of relearn how to shoot? I don't know. I mean, I can't say that without, without, looking, without watching him play and, and seeing, how, seeing how he feels. But I think this, this condition that he has has absolutely affected his shot. I mean, I think if he was, if he was playing through – a, a serious condition like this where he can, where he's struggling to lift his arms above his shoulders, that's going to affect your shot. And so he's probably going to have to relearn how to shoot, but I don't think, you know, I don't think the magic want to do it where it's accommodating something or, or doing it, doing something piecemeal to get him back onto the floor. They want to do something that will be a long-term, long-term motion or a long-term outcome for him. And that that's best by just letting him heal first and then, and then getting back into the basketball activities once he's ready to get back into basketball activities. All right. That's the breakdown on Markel Fultz. And, Philip, again, thank you so much for jumping on. We really appreciate your time here talking to Orlando Magic with us. And uh, a quick question before we uh, – before we get out of here, we always like to bring up a little pro wrestling with you. What's your thoughts right now <laughs> as uh, we're inching closer to WrestleMania? Who, who's, uh, who's maybe some of the guys you got your eye on right now? Since you're down there in Orlando near NXT and and following yeah, pro yeah, wrestling I mean, like I, we do, the guy, the guy, and, and I was so happy to see him get get a, a a soft raw debut last night. The guy that I just think has superstar all-star written all over him is, is ricochet and i just have no clue you know what is going to keep this kid this uh, he's not a kid because he's, he's like my age um what's going to keep him from being an absolute superstar when he finally gets a full roster call up i mean you saw him last night uh with finn balor taking on leo rush and and bobby lashley the guy is dynamic energetic you know athletic like crazy uh you know i'm really hoping that you get to see him more on the main roster uh, and very, very soon, um, I just think that, that what he does in the ring is just awe-inspiring. I mean, he's, you know, if, you, if you've never seen Ricochet, just YouTube him, uh, you know, whether it's his New Japan stuff, whether it's his NXT stuff or his WWE stuff, it, the guy just does things in a ring that are just awe-inspiring. And, like, I, I can't wait to see him in all the WWE gimmick matches, you know, you know Money in the Bank in the future and he'll steal every show that he's in. And every time I watch him, I'm just like, just in awe of how, how incredible his performances are. And I can't, I can't log off without, without giving some love to, to the, to the ladies, to the women's division. They, they absolutely killed it at Elimination Chamber. I'm so happy. They, they really they did. Tag team belts. Yeah. And, and honestly, Becky Lynch is the best thing, best thing in the world. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's great. It's going to be really exciting to see Becky, Rhonda, and I guess Charlotte, um, I'll, I'll, I'll mark to that. Um, I'll mark to that. Um, see them, see them main event WrestleMania in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that'd be great. Great to see. But, uh, I'll agree with Ricochet. If you haven't went online and watched his match with, um, Will Ospreay from a little, just yeah. hall in, in Japan somewhere, just like a spot show. Holy shit. Just and, go and, check it and, out. And even, and, and even if, and if New Japan's not your thing, 
watch Ricochet's match with Adam Cole. They do a spot yeah. where Adam Cole super kicks Ricochet while he's doing a springboard somersault, and it's just yeah. it, it's uh, it's it's the most amazing wrestling spot I've seen at least in, in WWE. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it's, it's a fantastic match from start to finish. It really was. I'll agree. I'll second you there, sir. Where we finish on the same page, but. Won't you let our listeners know where they can keep up with you for your Orlando Magic takes and even some pro wrestling takes occasionally? Yeah, yeah, you can find. I, I like to throw Becky Lynch, Becky Lynch tips here every once in a while. Um, you can find me on on Twitter at O Magic Daily or at Philip R R underscore O M D. That's P H I L I P one L. Um, and and of course check us out at OrlandoMagicDaily dot com and subscribe to the podcast on Locked On Magic. I believe this is your sixth or seventh appearance. I've almost lost count how many times you've been on the show, but definitely the most returns from any guest we've ever had. And we appreciate you coming on. You always bring some great insight and break down the magic better than anybody I've ever heard. So thank you so much for coming on. I, I appreciate you for having me on. Anytime you need me, I, I, I'm here. All right. Thanks again, Phil. No problem. Personal injury, product liability, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling 1-800-208-9169 or 304-362-7345 for your free consultation. A new level of personal service, whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again, get your free consultation at 1-800-203-9169. Stephen P. New, answers to your legal questions. And that was my talk with Philip Rossman right from the Orlando Magic Daily. And a big shout-out to our sponsors at the Law Office of Stephen P. New. Tim, you still there? I'm still here, big man. Awesome. Well, right now, we're being joined from the Bucks County Courier-Times, the sports writer over there, Mr. Tom Moore. Tom, thanks for jumping on with us. Uh, No problem. Glad to be here. Glad you glad you could be back, and we always enjoy your takes on the Sixers. And uh, we want to talk a little Sixers uh, this this evening, especially with uh, all the recent moves they made. They acquire and get Tobias Harris. They lose Landry Shamet. Uh, what was the idea the Sixers had in making that move to go and get Tobias Harris to bring in? and complete that roster, that starting lineup now, is to be probably one of the top two or three starting lineups in the league. Yeah, I think Elton Brand said that, you know, he realized maybe the kind of the window is now, and after getting Jimmy Butler and having a chance to get Tobias Harris, you just don't know how long it's going to let, you know, how long the window is going to be open. Um, a chance, you, you know, uh, a, a true stretch for a guy who is shooting uh, 43% from three and can score and complement Joel Embiid real well. And as you said, they had when they made the trade, they had all five starters averaging 17 points or more, which I believe is the only starting five in the league that had that. Now that'll per, 
that's probably changing as we go because now that there's only one ball. Um, but yeah, I think uh, you know I think it was a chance to kind of fortify the starting group, add another you know borderline all star, and you know take their shot in a quality East with you know probably four teams really that could win it. You know it, it would make the Sixers a more viable team at least. You know another score late in games, another offensive weapon in the half court, and uh, you know take their best shot. Okay, Tim, do you have anything you want to run by Tom here? Is he jumping on with us well, some 76ers? Well, of course. We, we've got to go to Markel. We've got to talk about the Sixers finally. Well, I don't know what words you want to use getting out from underneath all of that distraction, I suppose. Um, quick thoughts on that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, Brand got – more than I thought he could under the circumstances, given the, you know, given the faults, you know, hadn't played in so long. And, you know, certainly you weren't going to get what you would normally get for a number, former number one overall pick. But I, I think they just thought it was time to move on uh, best for the Sixers and best for faults to go somewhere else and, you know, see, see if maybe where he's not regarded as, you know, the, I won't say the savior, but certainly they were expecting a lot. They thought he could play the one and the two and defend one and two, score inside, score outside, you know, defend, you know, do a lot of different things. And it, it just didn't happen in Philly. And, you know, maybe, you know, hopefully for his sake, it happens in Orlando, but, you know, obviously trading the number three pick Jason Tatum and, you know, uh, what looks like a lottery pick from the Kings this year for faults, uh, Brian Colangelo's, deal uh, clearly was not the right move. And I w- must say I was in favor of it and I called for him to do it three weeks before. I really thought Fultz would be a, would really fit well here and be an ideal complement to Ben Simmons. Uh, but it, it did not work out that way. So what, what do you think about what? his recent comment that, uh, yeah, that he has, I, that he has no mental issues, that he's always had an injury and that Sixers basically have never, really been on the same page as him. I guess to yeah, boil it down. I don't know, Tim. I mean, they, the Sixers said they sent him to 10 different specialists looking for things, and it wasn't until the last one where they, you know, found this thoracic uh, outlet syndrome, the TOS. Um, so I really don't know. Uh, I don't know what to say. I mean, he went uh, – he was fine when they drafted him. He was fine, and – Playing in the summer in in July of, uh, I guess it was 17, he looked fine. And then when he came back for training camp, his shot was different. And um, just, uh, I don't know what happened. And he he lost all confidence. He wouldn't take outside shots. He started the season playing, and then they shut him down. He ended up, you know, not playing for five months played some at the end of the regular season. And then in the playoffs, he lost his confidence again. And, um, you know, Brett Brown didn't play him. I think it was after game three against the Heat and T.J. McConnell became the backup point again. So um, I really don't know what to say uh, about it. You know, I'm not inside his head or his body or, you know, in terms of if, if something reminded him of something that hurt him with a shoulder or, or whatever, I, I really don't know. Uh, but, yeah, uh, it, it is a unique. I mean, 31 years I've been covering the Sixers, and I've never seen anything 
close to, you know, something like this. Yeah, it was interesting to see that they moved faults, and they and you mentioned that Elton Brand got as much as he did out of the Magic for faults. I mean, they get a guy who you know kind of was struggling this season in Jonathan Simmons, but they did get a first round pick and a second round pick. Now, granted, it could turn into two second round picks, but nevertheless, that's still pretty good for a guy who hasn't even played an entire season and. Truth be told, nobody really knows what's going on with him. So I think you got to you really got to tip your hat to Elton Brand for getting what he got out of what looked like a dead situation in Philly. Yeah, I guess it's a top. I believe it's a top twenty protected pick, and like you said, then I think if it goes to the second year, and then if it doesn't convey the second year, then I believe it turns into two second round picks. Yeah, I mean under the circumstances, I I wasn't sure if even you could get a, a protected first round pick. So, you know, maybe the Magic see something. Maybe they think, you know, with a new a new place and a new situation and less pressure and, you know, not the expectations. And the other thing is there, he can be a point guard, which I think it really is his best position. It was Part of the problem here is Ben Simmons is a point guard too, albeit 6'10". You know, he doesn't shoot the ball real well. And if Fultz isn't going to shoot it, it's really hard to play the two of them together. Um and down there, he can be a point guard, and he can just be a one, which is, you know, which I think is what it looks like he'll be at the NBA level. That was not the case at, at Washington. He shot, you know, over 40% from three, and, you know, he took like 125 threes in 25 games there. And I think in, with the Sixers, I think in the two years, he took a combined 14 threes. I mean, it it was just incredible how, how things changed. Um, with him he just did not look like the same player he totally lost his swagger um, his confidence and as I said he would not shoot other than you know in the in the in the uh, lane he wouldn't take anything from outside well you Nate, brought up uh, Ben Simmons oh, or go ahead interrupt me just for one second absolutely breaking, go ahead Tim quick breaking news uh, Zion Williamson has just left the Duke NC, uh, UNC game with an apparent hamstring injury uh he went to uh, uh go around a guy and did almost what amounted to the splits and he has left the game at the three minute mark of the first half so carry oh, on yeah but, i have uh, that on I'm, you know, i have it on too he he was driving he drove into the lane and just sort of lost his balance and as you said he just kind of did a split and grabbed the back looked, of his it looked, right it looks very awkward it looked very, Went very to the awkward. bench and now they just walked him into the uh, walked him into the locker room very gingerly. So yeah, he didn't make it. I mean, I think it was a minute into the game. It was very, very early. It may have been like the second possession of the game. Yeah, I saw him uh, kind of because I've got the game on as well. He's kind of took his shoe off there a little bit and was kind of adjusting. Hopefully, nothing serious because man, that would just be a shame to see that guy get hurt and then us. Uh, uh, and honestly, I think he's going to be a superstar. He, there's, he's got professional next big thing written all over him, in my opinion. Yeah, no, clear number one pick at this point. Uh, you know, I, I think it's almost unanimous. You know, for just with, it, with, with what he can do at his size and his athleticism and everything, they're just drooling about him. Supposedly at All Star Weekend, the players, you know, was a very popular topic um, among the All Stars. You know, about him and how well he'll do and things like that. So you bring up Ben Simmons. I did want to talk about Ben Simmons. And, you know, you talked about Simmons not really shooting the ball well. 
Um, is that going to end up costing Philadelphia in the long run? Is that something that maybe we saw Boston kind of key on? You can go underneath a screen, but or Ben's looking to get rid of the ball. As soon as he comes up, he's hitting jo- uh, Joel Embiid. He's a trailer, but he's seven foot two, and Embiid's not down low. He's trailing up to shoot threes, which he's knocking down some of them. He's not shooting the greatest percentage. But is Ben Simmons as your starting point guard enough to get Philly to the finals? Or is he going to have to develop a shot? Well, uh, I mean, even when they played the Lakers uh, two weeks ago, you know, the first possession, uh, LeBron was guarding him, and he backed. He, he was about six feet from the basket. You know, he, he just backed all the way down there. And Simmons, he shot the ball. He didn't make it, but he did shoot the ball. But clearly, you know, that is a, a fit. Uh, and I don't care about three-point shots. He hasn't made a three-pointer in the NBA. Um, he's only taken, I think, 12 or 13 of them. But uh, the 15-footer is available anytime he wants it. And, you know, that's that's a high-percentage shot. And I think if he can make that, I mean, you know, that that will prevent uh, some of the things the defense are doing, packing it in, um, you know, clogging the lane with his guy, making it more difficult for Embiid and Tobias Harris and other guys, Butler, if he wants to post up. Um so I think for the Sixers to get to the next level. But, you know, the East has more quality depth than the West. Obviously, they don't have a team at the level, I don't think, of the Warriors, even though the Bucks have the best record in the NBA and, and the Raptors are only a game behind. But, you know, the Pacers, until Oladipo got hurt, look, like, look legit. And the Celtics and the Sixers, you know, that's four teams that, to me, if the Celtics get their act together, and I expect them to, you know, that could – could make the finals out of the east out in the west it's kind of like the warriors and you know a bunch of uh second tier teams is the way it looks at least at at this juncture so you know sixers are going to have a tough time uh joel and beads out for at least a week uh with tendonitis in the left knee which you know fans aren't too thrilled with he played 23 minutes in the all-star game and now he's going to miss at least three games coming out of the all-star break starting thursday night um uh, against the heat when they're trying to make a make a move um, they're, you know, fifth in the East and really need to move up. At least you would think, you know, you, you certainly don't want to start on the road. And if they're, if they're fifth right now, they'd be playing the Celtics in the first round without home court advantage, which does not look like a recipe for success. So they really need to move up to third. I would, I would think, um, to have a better chance, get a first round, uh, home court advantage in the first round and, you know, give themselves a chance to surpass last year when they lost to the Celtics in five in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Yeah. Uh, Tim, do you have any questions for Tom? Did you watch the All-Star game by any chance, Tom? I watched a decent portion of the first quarter um, just to see. I was glad to see uh, Nowitzki and uh, – and, uh, uh, Wade, you know, have some success in, you know, what looks like their last All-Star game. But I covered five or six of them back in the – from the late 80s until the early 2000s. And it is – it's just really hard to – it's almost like the, the Pro Bowl. You know, the, the, it's so sloppy. <laughs> There's no defense. Yeah. It's really difficult to watch. And I'm not like a purist that you have to, you know, be, you know, grinding it out and playing 88 to 84 games. But, you know – I mean, it looked like it was going to be like a 200 to 170 final score. I mean, you're throwing, you know, alley-oops off the backboard and crazy stuff. It's really difficult for me to to, to watch that. I, the reason I asked is because I wondered – I did not watch it. 
um, I wondered how Embiid, what, what kind of, uh, uh, what he did during the game, if he was out there. He looked okay. Yeah, he looked crazy like that. No, he looked okay. It didn't look like he did anything. And Brett Brown at practice today said, you know, it didn't affect anything. But I, I love. I was not at practice today, but I would have loved to have asked if playing in the All Star game helped his knee uh, get better because. He played before the All-Star break, and he played in the All-Star game, and now all of a sudden he's not playing, at least for a week, which is a minimum of three games. And the drop-off from him to Boban and Jonah Bolden and Amir Johnson is, you know, pretty drastic, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. The, optics don't, the optics don't look good if you're just And, a yeah, fan. this has happened with him before. His, his third year, which is the first one he played – he talked him. He was he was out, and he talked himself into playing on a on a nationally televised game against the Rockets. Um, had a big game. They lost, and he did not play again the rest of the year. It turned out he had a um, uh, torn meniscus, I guess it was, or or whatever it was, and he needed surgery and missed the rest of the year. And he he was out. He, he missed like two games, the two previous games, and because of the national TV game, he talked his way, and they let him play, and he missed the remainder of the season. So. Um. Yeah, to me, it does not look good, and you know, fans and I understand are not too thrilled because, you know, I know it's a show. I know it's nice to have be a starter and all that stuff. But you know, if your knee's really bothering you, um, it you know you probably should you know should go but not play. And I'm you know they said it, Brown said it didn't make it any worse, but as I said, it clearly didn't make it any better either. One last question for me, Tom, before we let you get out, get out of here. Um, Landry Schmidt, I know he was involved in the uh, Tobias Harris trade. It's a good trade for winning now, but a lot of people really like Schmidt. Uh, do you think the Sixers sh- should have tried to work some way into keeping a young guy like Schmidt around, or is he, you know, he's kind of, of course, he's expendable at this point. But what do you, what are your thoughts on losing Schmidt? Well, they like, I mean, they clearly liked him. And I think he, you know, he performed better than they, you know, they expected. His role was more significant, um, you know, as a kind of a, a scorer off the bench. Uh, but, you know, you, you trade for a, you know, a, a pretty good player, um, a guy that you now have the right, you know, to, to give him a five-year max contract for $190 million. And to me, you can argue that Tobias Harris is a better fit here than Jimmy Butler just because of with Embiid and with Simmons, and he can shoot the three, um, and the way he plays, and he seems to defer and, and so on, uh, whereas Butler's more of a clear-out one-on-one guy, uh, and Brett Brown likes to run more of a motion offense, get everybody involved. But you make a trade, you have to give up something of value you know, to get a, you know, a borderline all-star. Um, and, you know, they, they, they traded away Covington and Sarge in the previous deal for Jimmy Butler, so they didn't have a whole lot of value here. Um, and, you know, I, I think they liked him, and I think he certainly would have continued being a rotation player. Defensively, he had some work to do, but, you know, uh, it's kind of like the cost of doing business. Shaman had, you know, you had, to, you had to trade somebody of some value, and he was on a rookie contract, and they have, you know, uh, three more years of control, and you know, uh, you know, has a chance to develop and and be a you know be a very good NBA player. But you're going to try to win now. Um, you know, as I said, you had to give up something, and and you know that it was him. I mean, 
Furkan Korkmaz and some of the other young guys, Jonah Bolton, they don't have the value that Shamit has. So um, it's what it's what uh, it's what Elton Brand had to do to bring Tobias Harris here. Um, and if they can re-sign him and you know re-sign Butler or whatever, you know have those four guys back and, and have a chance to you know be a pretty good team for a number of years. All right. Uh... Just in case anybody was paying attention, Zion's shoe actually exploded when he got hurt. It went through his his foot went through his shoe. I just saw the picture. Uh, I don't know if they you could see that on TV, but his uh, shoe went up to his ankle. So it's a pretty interesting picture. Yeah, well, check that out if you get a chance. So uh, hope he's okay. But Tom, thank you so much for jumping on again. Our guy from Philly, the 31 years covering the Sixers for the Bucks County Courier Times, and we really appreciate you jumping on. Uh, why don't you let our listeners know where they can keep up with you? Sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tom Moore, M-O-O-R-E, Philly, and at uh, the BucksCountyCourierTimes.com slash sports. All right. Again, that's Tom Moore. Thanks again for being on with us, and uh, we hope to hear back from you real soon, Tom. Sounds good. Have a good night, guys. You too. Thank you. So long. And that was Tom Moore from the Bucks County Courier Times here on Wide Men Can't Jump, and we'll be back right after this. Are you sick of the boring, same old campsites with the same old girls and the same boring content? Well, now's your chance to jump over to a brand new website called cambay.com, C-A-M-B-A-E.com. When you're on Cambay, whatever you want and whatever you desire is right at your fingertips. Be sure to join right now and use promo code WIDEMEN to get 20 free credits on cambay.com. Use those credits to go towards whatever your fantasy is and make sure that you know cambay.com wants to make you as happy as you can be. Be sure to join right now. Again, it's cambay.com, C-A-M-B-A-E.com. And unlike college, it's not going to take you guys 20 free credits to finish. So join cambay.com right now. Use promo code WIDEMAN and get your free credits. Again, thanks to our sponsors at cambay.com and thanks to Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com. Check them both out. Show some love. Get your free credits at cambay.com. Also, the brand new Wide Men Can't Jump t-shirts are up and available at widemencantjump.com. Available in sizes small through 3X. You can get the t-shirt now, $23. And that, that price includes shipping and handling. So it's a flat $23. For your T-shirt, ship directly to your house. So hit us up, widemencantjump.com. And we're in the process of, of getting some very nice custom women's T-shirts. So for the woman in your life, you may want to get her one of those custom women T-shirts. Again, those are going to be a little bit more expensive because they have to be custom made, but we do want everyone to pick up a women's T-shirt if you got a special lady in your life that wants to rock some Wide Men Can't Jump. Go ahead, Tim. And unlike that other podcast, we actually are going to give TR some money. <laughs> well, we already gave him a free T-shirt, so <laughs> that's one better. <laughs> but anyway, well, we, we, uh, we actually put him, and he's on the shirt. 
Yeah, his name is on the shirt, as is yours and mine. And it's a cool shirt. Uh, and we appreciate everyone that's picked one up so far. Uh, I've been wearing mine out, man. People seem to like it. Uh, so get yours now. I don't have one yet. I don't know why that is. Well, it's because you live in Canada and the shipping cost is ridiculous. So, uh, I know. (laughs) You know, I was just thinking that we we dropped the ball. We dropped the ball on the Tom Moore. We should have asked Tom. Or, 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 well, not dropped the ball, but. We, we we need to talk to Tom and what maybe what he would know about the Tim Donahue situation being a Philadelphia guy. You know, we didn't bring that up. We probably should have. I'm, I'm sure Tom wouldn't never, know much about it, but oh, I'm, you, you never know. know. Ear, ear to the ground there. I mean, he may not. I'm sure he had no personal involvement in it, but um, he may no. know some things. He may know some things there because he's connected. So true, true. So again, well, anyhow. Check that out if you get a chance. But let's go ahead right now, ladies and gentlemen, and let's go to one of the favorite segments of the show. Here it comes. That's right. It's Bush League. Was there a Bush League last week? No. Why is Bush League only on when I'm on the show? (laughs) Because I know how much you love it. (laughs) I know how much you love it. All right, fair enough. But if you're on Twitter, head over to the Wide Men Can't Jump page right now and scroll down. I have retweeted three Bush League nominees. All right, so go ahead and get there. Hold We're on. talking to you too, there, Tim. Uh, oh, I'm going. This this part makes it much more enjoyable, and I can actually, because I'm still yeah. laughing at that that one from a couple of weeks back there. So yeah, that one was pretty good. All right, these are your <laughs> okay. All Star so Weekend. These these are your all. Go scroll down, and there's a video of Dirk Nowinski, and right, Dirk is our our first nominee this week on Bush League. In the three-point shootout, Dirk throws one up from the corner, and he hits nothing but the Berlin Wall. He hit nothing but air. Dirk, bless your heart. I know it's your last year. You were my sentimental favorite, but you can't throw up a three like that and expect to win the three-point shootout. Dirk, you know what that is. That's Bush. Bush League. You hear me? That's Bush League, Dirk. Come yeah, okay. on. First, oh, my First of all, goodness. Dirk Nowitzki can do whatever the hell he wants. And B, <laughs> I'm quite sure that was just a uh, well-timed uh, turn on of the air conditioning in the uh, arena to push that ball. <laughs> everybody everybody <laughs> behind Dirk all sneezed at the same time. So. Push Moving that ball on. Just a little bit of... <laughs> all Moving right, on next, to uh, our next Bush League nominee, if you watched the dunk contest the other night, there was a gentleman that came out in one wild-looking hoodie named Jay Cole. Take a look at Jay Cole going up for the slam dunk and gets up, but no, denied. Jay Cole, no hops, my friend. you got to get up higher than that if you're going to throw down at the dunk contest. Jay Cole, he's our number two nominee. You know what it is, Jay Cole. I mean, that is Bush League. Absolutely, would, that's Bush. I would have figured league. with 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 the the whole Rastafarian look going on there that he'd be able to get a lot higher than that. <laughs> you would think. 
But he didn't. And <laughs> Jesus. All right, our final Bush League nominee is John Collins from the Atlanta Hawks in the slam dunk contest. We're in North Carolina, so so I give it I give him a little credit here for his knowledge of history. He brings out an airplane, a miniature airplane with with a scarf and one of the old airplane helmets and puts it on and takes the run and go and jumps, but he takes the wings out. No now, wings for you, John Collins. One has to no wonder where where did John Collins acquire that from? That's what there, I'm asking. Really, is there a really pissed off museum curator somewhere? That's what you're <laughs> in the area. <laughs> Got a broken airplane from. We call this the uh, the Kitty Hawk Hindenburg dunk, if yeah, I've ever yeah, seen just, one. Well, I, 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 this nice this nice basketball player came by and wanted to borrow one of the original right plans that they put together for for their first flight, and I gave him. You know, he had the right paperwork, so I gave it to him. He brought it back in pieces. Yeah, with a big old he knocked the front, big, the front end and the back end off. He he knocked them both off on the dunk. The big old and he just big old size twelve keypreds on the back of it. Well, the the funniest part about it is the hat that he wore. That aviator's hat. Oh yeah. Oh, John Collins. I mean, I'll, I'll give him full marks for that, but I got to assume that that was lost on most of the people at the. Probably, but John Collins. I'm sorry, my friend. That that's Bush League. Ah. Yeah, Bush that, was League. Pretty, oh. that was pretty Bush League. I think we got a. I think we have a winner here. It's John Collins. <laughs> I do appreciate the nod to history. But man, oh man, that dunk contest! <laughs> yeah, well, he, you know, he didn't have the scarf. If he didn't have the scarf and the hat, I think I could have overlooked it. But the scarf I and mean, the hat just made it. He looked like Snoopy from those Red Bear cartoons. I mean, Nowitzki, okay, he doesn't play that much, or whatever, semi-retired or whatever the hell he is these days. So I can understand, you know, that was the stall, the trip down the stalls lane. All right, fine. The whole Rastafarian thing there, I don't know what the fuck that was about. I'm sorry, I just don't know. And then he didn't even make the dunk on top of it, so that's like total failure. But this last one, <laughs> he needed what he, I mean, the hat and the dog was spectacular. Or the scarf, he needed yeah. dog. Oh, yeah. If he'd have went, yeah, if he'd it, have went but... with goggles, that would have been, that would have been a slam dunk for the winner. Uh-huh. But yeah, no, I'll give him the, I'll give him the win. So John Collins, you're our Bush League winner this week, and that was Bush League for this week. Bush, Bush League. By the way, Tim. By the way, we have a listener who's listening in live. Just sent me a message. Tell Tim to shut up. Bush League is the best. Can't make this up. Is that, so, who is that? Nick or, Nick or Ed? <laughs> that would be Nick. So, <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was one of them. <laughs> well, that, well that's, what, that's what was told to me. All right. But we do want to go to the other. We, we need to bring back the segment that we, ha- we haven't done this one in a few weeks. We just ran oh, out of time last on. week. 
you should mention, though, too, that, that John Collins will be receiving in the mail a uh, non-refundable, non-cash value uh, a gift certificate for one appearance on White Men Can't Jump Show. <laughs> yes, he wins a gift certificate. He wins a gift <laughs> certificate good for one good for one free McDonald's pizza at any location near him. Get <laughs> a McDonald's pizza today. So. All right, we need to get back to. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome for that. Good. Yeah, I like that. Well, there actually there was a McDonald's here where I live. They used to sell the pizza. They, they just recently stopped. There is still one. I believe I read that not long ago that there's still one in no, the no, There, there were two. They were one in Ohio, one in West Virginia. They were owned by the same company. And they just recently stopped because McDonald's made them because it wasn't a McDonald's menu item. So they just recently stopped. It was an epic failure everywhere else in the world. So they were popular down here, but yeah, they weren't good. They weren't weren't anything. I I like them. But let's go ahead and get to the other segment we promised we'd bring back. Tim, I'm going to need a year and a number from you, my friend. Oh, I forgot about this. I, I enjoyed this very much. Um, yeah. All right. Let's let's go with uh, 2012. 2012. And let's go with the number nine pick. Number nine. Number nine. All right. And I have the no 2012 idea NBA draft. Well, this, there's a possibility this player could still be in the league. Cool. So well, we let's go there. there. 2012, and this player is still in the league, if I'm not mistaken. Let me find him here. Is he any, he is. Is he any good? <laughs> uh, oh. He's very good. Andre Drummond <laughs> is oh, the pick go. this week. Andre Drummond taken ninth by the Detroit Pistons in 2012. This is a draft. This was actually a fairly decent draft here. Let's just go ahead and, and look at the draft as a whole right now. The number one pick in that draft, Anthony Davis. Uh, he turned out all right, I think. He's pretty good. Then, look, at um, that number. look at that number five number pick. <laughs> yes, Thomas Robinson. Thomas <laughs> Robinson. Oh, I remember Delco him. High. Adelco. <laughs> but we got Andre Drummond at nine. Bradley Beal went third. There was a couple of picks here that made you scratch your head. Number two, the Bobcats took Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Yeah. Dion Wakers at four was a decent player. Harrison Barnes at seven, not a bad pick. Terrence Ross, kind of hit or miss at eight. Austin Rivers at ten. Myers Leonard, which was a waste of a pick then, at 11. And then, and then nothing after that until like late in the second well, round. Evan Fournier, good pick from the – playing uh, shooting guard. Decent pick in Mo Harkless there. John Henson played for the Bucks for a while. He's a good player. Jeremy Lamb still in the league. Jarrett Solinger never panned out. Here's a, here's a blast from the past. Fab Mello. Anybody remember that player out of Syracuse? <laughs> Isn't he uh, the lead singer for InSync or something like that? Fab Mello? <laughs> Fab Mello. Get out. But, uh, yeah, Perry Jones the third, Marcus Teague. Festus Azili was a good ball player. He he had a nice bench roll there. Draymond Green went in the second round of this draft, as did Jay, Jay Crowder. So there's your two late picks. Oh, here's another good one from this draft. Will Barton, good player. 
Chris Middleton, all-star this year, went in the second round of this draft. This may be the best second round I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of I decent mean, players in the second round. I mean, look at that 50th pick. That guy's a rocker. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but I don't think so. Let's go ahead. Since we do know Andre Drummond ended up being a good player, and he still is, not the best free throw shooter in the world. However, we'll go ahead and look at his stat line because this is what we do during this segment. This is a fun segment. I always like this one. All right, Andre Drummond has been in the league since 2012, has spent every year with Detroit, was an all-star in 2015 and 2017, two all-star years for Drummond. In that time, he has averaged for his career 14 points a game, along with 13 and a half rebounds per game. His first year, his numbers were down, but ever since 2013, yeah. he averaged 13 and a half 13.8, He is. And this season right now, he's currently averaging a career best in points at 17.4 per game. And he's averaging 15 rebounds to go along with that. Uh, his free throw percentage is not good, but it is actually up from what it was. He was 30, 37%, 41%, 39%, 35%, 38%. And then last season, he got up to 60%. This, this season, he's at 56%. Drummond is a dominant force, though, for the Detroit Pistons. Not Obviously not a three-point shooter. Averages almost two blocks a game. Averages almost two steals a game. Last season, averaged three assists per game. That's down a little bit this year to 1.2 assists per game as well. He averages about 4.9 free throws per game. So he has really done a good job at at improving his free throw game because a few years ago he was averaging close to 7 per game. So that number has dropped. With his poor free throw percentage shooting, that that actually helps. Um, In 2014, he played all 82 games. 2015, 2016, he played 81 and then last year, 78 games. So a relatively injury-free career for Andre Drummond. Uh, good ball player. Coming, um, I'm trying to remember where, where Drummond went to college. It's escaping me at the moment. Connecticut, yes, Connecticut. He went to UConn. So he's had a pretty solid career coming out of UConn, playing well. Yes, it is. So I if think you don't got, remember, he, he, caused, he caused quite a stir because he had announced uh, uh, initially that he was going to go to a, a private boarding school for his first year, and then mm. for reasons, and then for reasons unknown, two weeks later he committed to UConn. And there's there's got to be a story there. I don't know what it is, but there's got to be one. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be some story there. We're not a hundred percent on that, but but yeah, that's uh, we just wanted to do a little bit of a deep dive there. So that's uh, our look at Andre the, Drummond. To go back to that year, that number five pick, Clifton Heights Thomas answers. Robert. Clifton Heights answers to Al Bundy. <laughs> yeah, and Uncle Rico, but uh, <laughs> nevertheless. <laughs> <laughs> and that other who was it? Who was that other well-known uh, uh, player that you guys came up with uh, with a funny name? 
I can't remember. Oh, Dark Kinda. Thompson. There you go. <laughs> Even though we were mispronouncing Dakari Johnson, and we very much <laughs> apologize uh, for that. Man, but anyway, <laughs> but anyway, let's go ahead now, Tim. We want to spend the last twenty minutes or so of the show. We want to talk about the NCAA because there's not been a lot of games this week in terms of. You know, NBA was the all-star break. Talk a lot about the it. Good old NCAA, the land of Duke, and then everybody else. Okay, and I'm looking at the injury from Zion Williamson. He twisted his. He did. He uh, twisted his ankle. He stepped and slid and twisted his ankle and blew his they, shoe out in the process. I hope they are smart enough to only bring him back into the game if he is in fact not hurt even at all. Because there's no need, absolutely no need. Duke's good enough to beat anybody even without him. Um, and well, we don't need to see they're him. They're down get, by eight right now. So. Yeah, but we still, don't, we still don't need to see him get uh, have end up with some kind of stupid, dumb, lingering injury that he, he, they don't, we don't need that. You know, that he had well, high a high ankle strains are nasty. If that's what he's got. A lot of people on social media are speculating that this may be with that kind of scary injury right there, he may not come back for the rest of the season. Well, what do you think about where, that? Well, I don't know about the rest of the season, but if he's, like I said, if he gets diagnosed as having, you know, who knows? I mean, he's a big guy. To fall like that yeah. the way he did, Lord only knows what kind of pressure that put on any kind of uh, tendons down there in the ankle and, and like I said, there's nothing worse. The last thing you want to hear is high ankle sprain. That's as bad. Now those injuries just never go away. You take forever to heal. Um, and he plays a rambunctious. You know, he's he's not some little guy who goes in the corner and shoots threes. You know, he's the kind of guy that he plays a rugged, vicious game of basketball. So if yeah. he's going to be pounding, um, that would not be good for him. Uh I don't know. I mean, it's not supposed to be about, you know, at this level, they're supposed to be about the player and getting them prepared for the NBA and all that sort of stuff. I don't think you'd do them any favors by putting them out there if he's hurt. Duke will survive. I, almost, I can almost agree with the fact of if he never if he never plays another college game, he's going to be the number one overall pick. Probably. It doesn't hurt him. It probably it, it hurts him much less than if they put him out there and he has some kind of nagging injury, and then gets into the pros yeah. with that nagging injury, and gets eaten alive, which would happen maybe if he's hurting. But yeah, uh, I mean, hard to say. It's too early. I mean, they'll they'll X-ray him, and tomorrow we'll hear more about what his status really is. But yeah, of, of course. But let's go ahead and look at the top twenty-five because me and you were discussing this the other day. Um, the current top 25, Duke is the number one team in the country, according to the polls, uh, receiving 58 of the first place votes. Number two, and they have a record of 23 and two. Number two at 25 and two is Gonzaga. They receive six of the first place votes. In third is Virginia at 22 and two. Four is Kentucky at 21 and four, and dropping from the number one seed or the number one spot to number five is Tennessee after that loss to Kentucky. They are 23-2. and two. 
Let's just go through the top ten now. At number six is Nevada, twenty-four and one. Number seven, Michigan at twenty-three and three. Number eight, twenty and five, North Carolina. Number nine, twenty-one and or twenty-five and one, Houston. And rounding out the top ten is Michigan State at twenty-one and five. So. If you look, Tim, you kind of pointed this out to me. Kentucky is at four, but they have four losses. Meanwhile, you see teams like North Carolina. They're at eight with five losses. Michigan State at ten with five losses. If you go further down, you, there's Marquette at 20, 21 and four at 11. Kansas has six losses at 12. LSU, four losses at 13. Texas Tech, five losses at 15. Hell, Purdue has seven losses, and they're 15 right now. So I want to see I want to see what happens go, with uh, Louis with Louisville who has eight losses and then they lost tonight. Yeah, Syracuse so handled them pretty well tonight. They so were now they've got nine. I mean, how can you? I mean, there's no way if they're still in the top twenty-five with nine losses, there's something wrong with the poll. I can agree with and that, I will, especially with and I will yeah, and I will say the opposite about Nevada, who was twenty-four and one. Okay, that twenty-four and one looks pretty good. Until you go look at who they played, they've played one top 25 opponent. One. And they do not yep. play anymore for the rest of the season. So that, that number for me is, I mean, they might have a good team. I'm going to guess 24 and one, they don't, they're not horrible. Or whatever they are, 20, what are they? 24 they're and one. 24 um, Okay, but that, that 24 is not against, Stellar competition. Um, my point, my point being, is uh, uh, Michigan State's twenty-one and five. How does that stock up against uh, Nevada's twenty-four and one? And yet they're four, you know, six and ten on the in the polls. I mean, the polls aren't perfect. There's always room for some goofing. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't recall a poll, and I could be wrong on this, but I don't recall one with top twenty-five teams with seven, six, eight. Eight, seven, six, up to number twelve. It was six losses. Yeah, uh, it seems like there's an awful lot of parity. Either that, or the good schools don't play each other, <laughs> so that their records stay. I, I don't know because it's crazy. Um, well, I think a no... lot of the conferences, a lot of the conferences are a little bit down. This season, uh, I'm looking at the Big 12 as a prime example of that. Normally, the Big 12, they've got way more teams in the top 25 than they do. Right now, I'm looking at the top 25, Iowa State, Kansas. Um, let me see, Texas Tech. No, not Texas Tech. Uh, and that's that's it for the Big 12. Okay. Uh, Normally, the Big 12 just, got 16 in there. They just announced that uh, Williamson will not return – Tonight's game with a knee injury, they're calling it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I can so, see the knee. Maybe he might have rolled the ankle and, and hyperextended the knee. So, anyway, so that's – Duke is going to have to gonna have to get it done without him. Um, they're going to have to do it with, yeah. to do it with uh, Cam Reddish and the boys there. So, that's a shame. Cam Reddish and uh, R.J. Barrett. Instead of with four of the top 12 players in the in – the, uh, yeah, coming yeah, up. Yeah, good luck, boys. You got to do it with those guys. Yeah, you're only going to do it with three of them instead at home. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> um, it's a shame. I was going to say too, like looking at like the ACC, for instance, is another conference 
where if I said, uh, you know, Boston College, Notre Dame, uh, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, Pittsburgh, those are usually teams that if I said they were in the tournament, you would go, okay, you wouldn't be surprised by that. And yet most of those teams this year are under 500. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that, that's, some... that's one thing you you will you'll run into that. Uh, I mean, it, yeah, but I can't, I can't imagine like, like Pittsburgh is twelve and fourteen, Wake Forest is ten and fifteen. I mean, they're not getting they're not going to make the tournament with records like that. Uh, we unless something changes in the next because it's only what three weeks left. It's not far off. It's not far off. Uh, March 9th, I believe, is the last game. So I think that's not even. You know, two weeks and change. Um, we might see some really interesting teams in the 64 this year that we're not used to seeing. Because if those teams yeah, are not might. bad this year, somebody else must be, you know, picking up the slack there. Well, you can look. You can look at the at the standings. Like you see a team like Buffalo. Buffalo's at 25th in the standings at 22 and three. Meanwhile, Maryland's at 19 and seven. Kansas State's at 19 and six ahead of them. I'm sorry, Kansas State is in the Big 12, so they're up there as well. But you know, Wisconsin 17 and eight. Iowa 20 and five. Virginia Tech's in the top 25 at 20 and five, which they're usually never that good. But there they are. Villanova, the powerful Villanova, they're 17th. They have 20 and six. Buffalo's another team though, where they've only played. Uh, they played uh, West Virginia when they were actually in the top 25 and won. Yeah. And then the only, and then the only other top 25 team they played is Marquette and they got hammered and they've not been played anybody else. So uh, the records there, but really how good are they? Um, as we've seen before, they might be really good. I mean, we've seen some, I mean, they're, what are they in the, they're in the Mac, right? I believe Buffalo. Um, uh, I believe, I believe they are. Uh, I mean, we've seen teams come out of the lesser conferences that are good because they tend to be, I think we had this discussion last year, uh, they tend to be better basketball teams because they don't have those top recruits that some of these other schools get. So they're better all around. They're a better, you know, if they play their game, they can, they can win because they're not relying on one guy to come down and score 62 and, and win the game for them. Oh, I've got breaking, I've got breaking news. We've, we've got, oh man. Oh man. Oh, that's, oh goodness. Okay. No, we, we have not angered anyone. This, oh no, this is awful. Uh, Let me, let me find, let me find if I can find this correctly here mississippi state just beat georgia now everyone's probably thinking well why does that matter you know here's how they beat (laughs) oh man i I believe that's i believe that's the uh i believe it was mississippi state let me let me double check that there was a uh yes let me find it uh, forgive me 6867. You have that right. Well, hold on. Let me make sure that's the right game. Okay, that yeah, here it is. This just happened. Georgia lost on a last second technical foul because a fan 
threw a stuffed animal oh, onto the court. Okay, and you, for those of you who are at home, if you go to ESPN and go to the Division One scores, the video is there. You can actually watch it. Um, oh, man. I got to bring this up because that's a gutsy. That is a gutsy call by a referee. Okay, and and somebody threw a cup out, but it didn't even come anywhere near. It didn't even make the three point line. Oh, that's. That's, I mean, okay, yeah, but that's ridiculous. Well, just inside. Let me. Let me. You got to watch that. It comes nowhere near a player. The shot. It didn't happen while play was going on. That's ridiculous. Sweep. Yeah, I've got to pull it up here. That I mean that might be the rule, but come on. I don't know. That, that land that landed pretty close. It came it like it's way out on the court. Page. It's a paper cup. How did that do anything to anybody? He That's takes the, the rules. The basket all is in. Weak, weak. Oh, you're gonna tell me you're okay with that? The in a final no, four game or I'm anything not. in the tournament, no, you're gonna call that. You, you can't. No, you can't, you can't that. do you that. Gotta, I mean, okay, if somebody throws something out and it hits somebody, all right. Now we're talking a whole different thing. Yeah, I suppose you, you can't. You, can't call that. I mean, I guess you may make the argument that you don't want to encourage people to throw anything onto the court. Um, I don't. Yeah, all I know is if I'm a Georgia fan. I am not pleased about that whatsoever. Not even a little bit. I would find the guy that did it. I would find the guy that did it. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Well, 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 that's the next thing. How do you know it was a? How how do you know? How do you know who threw it? That's true too. I mean, that's another. You know, okay, that's another. Yeah, I mean, you're just assuming there, like they even said, oh, a Georgia guy threw something, up, or yeah, I think he said a Georgia fan threw something out on the court. Yeah, so they how, did. How do you know that? Yeah, okay, so that's an assumption ah. right there. That might have been a really smart Mississippi State fan. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been. I mean, he wore Georgia. I mean, that would be a that's, – that's a philosophy. That's a way to think right there. Put on the other team's clothes, and if it's a closed game, just start throwing stuff. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got thrown out of the Georgia arena, and I don't really care because I'm from Mississippi. I don't give, I don't give to who. You put up a W, good for us. But, you know, to go back to the NCAA, uh, the top 25, as you said, there's a lot of parity right now in the top 25. I think we're going to be in for one very big surprise tournament this year. I well, really do. Even tonight's scores, even, if that's any indication. Number, number eight, North Carolina, is ahead of Duke, but, okay, minus Williamson. But still, they're, they're winning. Uh, number 11, Marquette, is losing. Uh, number Michigan State was losing big time to uh, Rutgers. They got their act together. Uh, number 13, LSU lost. Number 17, Villanova lost. Number 18, Louisville lost. And those are all two unranked teams. Yeah. Um, you know, it is happening with, on a serious – it's almost like every day that, that there's teams in the mid-teens, like I said, which, which is one of two things. Either there's a lot of parity or the poll is not very good. Which it might be a bit of both because could be it is a bit of a, but it is a bit of a it is a bit of a, of a popularity contest. 
we will go ahead and tell you that this year we will be bringing back the Wide Men Can't Jump bracket pool. It is no cost to enter the tournament pool this year as it was last year. And you go with you can have one submission only, so only one submission per person. We're going to make that a rule we are, here. We are going to cover the NCAA tournament like a size one shirt would cover my stomach. Tight. Very true. We will. But tight. I do want to say this to the winner of the tournament this year. We and, and Larry Dameron is defending his his title this year. He was our winner last and getting year. A little, and getting a little cocky about it online, I might add. Oh, he is. He is. He is, and he, he, he says out, he's going to defend it. I mean, he's the champ, so he can talk the smack, but he's definitely talking the smack. He is. So this year, we'll go ahead and say it. This year, the winner will get a full Wide Men Can't Jump barrage treatment. If you win, not only will you get the Wide Men Can't Jump sticker, the Wide Men Can't Jump bottle openers, the Wide Men Can't Jump privilege of being on a flagship program and talking NCAA with us, you're also going to get a free T-shirt this year. We will throw in a T-shirt to the winner of the bracket tournament this year. So be ready for that. Run you down when you win. <laughs> we, will make, we will make fun of you up until that point. But if you win, we will. then the kudos, kudos to the winner. Oh, boy, I was watching that exactly. again and, in slow motion there, the Williamson yeah. thing, that, that is not pretty. It's that not, not but pretty, uh, it's not, not pretty, pretty but I'll tell you what is pretty, Tim, is the fact that we are almost out of time. The two hours flies by, and That's we've always. had a great show tonight, and we want to invite everybody to go check out WideMenCan'tJump.com. We will have some more articles going up within the next week or two. Go to our store at WideMenCan'tJump.com. And you can get a T-shirt in your size. If you think you're good, you can wait and try to win one in the bracket pool. But to go ahead and secure yourself a T-shirt now, go ahead and order one on WideMenCanJump.com. That whole uh, article is going to be up on the webpage soon. It's starting to sound like a certain podcast. Uh, we're going to have a show up next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to. I've been busy. I've been busy, so I'm going to try and get some articles. Uh, at least oh and uh, so we'll I want to throw a quick uh, quick shout out to my man Bobby Blaze. Yes, we do want to say a big shout out to our buddy Bobby Blaze. Check out the Bell to Bell Blaze podcast. It's Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze and his co-host Jeremy Vilmer. They do a great job. And if you're a wrestling fan, we want you to check that out. It's a great show. We want to thank you guys for yeah. listening in here. I mean, can't jump. We're available on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio. Your favorite podcast. We are there. Follow us on Twitter at WideJump. I'm at MMITM Nathan. Tim's at Tileman68. And Tom is at TRShock. Jump on. And leave the show a five-star review on iTunes if you download it from there. We always appreciate seeing those, so thank you guys so much for those. Again, WideMenCan'tJump.com, we're available on there. Big thanks to the Bucks Counter Courier Times' is Tom Moore, and a big thanks to Philip Rossman right from the Orlando Magic Daily and breaking down all the moves that were made over the break. And, again, thanks, Tim, for being on here. We do appreciate you jumping on here. And anything else? 
Oh, definitely. Anything else you want to add before we get out of here, Tim? Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to uh, copyright the uh, M. Eppers trademark. I'm gonna I'm gonna make that mine. All right, sounds good. That's for Tim. It's Nate. We're out of here. Tim, send us home. Peace. I ain't even gotta say it, that's just something they know. Thanks for listening to the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com and at widemencantjump.com. Be sure to check out our blogs over at widemencantjump.com and also be sure to check out all the other shows that we put out. You can find us on iTunes, Podcast Static, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Also, at WideBeanCanJump.com. Visit our store and buy some new t-shirts. They're available now in all sizes. This show is brought to you by the Law Offices of Stephen P. New at NewLawOffice.com and by Cambay.com. Be sure to visit Cambay.com and use promo code WideBean to get 20 free credits on your purchase. Thanks for listening again, and we'll see you next time for the next episode on the Wide Men Radio Network.